episode 8 of season 2 of Rigged. In this episode, Jamie, Chris, and Ilias review the recording of Springfield narcotics detective Greg Bigda interrogating two 15-year-old kids after they stole his police car. A warning to listeners that this audio is a little rough. Uh, it was taken from a camera and a police holding cell. I did my best on my end as the producer to clean it up for you um, and increase the volume where it was a little quiet, but just keep in mind that it is still a little quiet at times. Also, the language used by Officer Bigda towards two minors is extremely shocking and unnerving. Bigda was indicted in 2018 by a federal grand jury for excessive force in connection with allegedly punching and kicking young car theft suspects during an arrest in 2016. Two counts of, quote, abusive interrogation, end quote, for threatening to kill and plant drugs on them, plus drafting a false police report. He was acquitted on all courts in December of 2021, just weeks before Rachel Rollins was to take over as Massachusetts' new federal prosecutor. Enjoy the latest episode of Rigged, and as always, please like, subscribe, and let a friend know about this podcast. We appreciate your support. All right, welcome back to episode eight of season two of Rigged. I'm here with uh, Ilias and Chris, and today, uh, last episode, we went on we talked about the Springfield Police Department and some of their practices that were uncovered uh, by the Justice Department when they investigated them. And uh, today we're going to hear exactly what that sounds like. It's one thing to read a report from the Department of Justice about, you know, crimes from the police or or missteps or whatever you want to call them, um, infringements on people's rights. But uh, it's it's another thing to hear them. And we have the audio. It's on YouTube of. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. As a reminder to listeners who heard the last episode or maybe missed it, uh, the DOJ found that they used uh, you know, unlawful, unnecessary force like all the time. And I think you you mentioned uh, during the last episode that was principally because they choose to punch people in the face over and over and over again for uh, literally no reason. So, yeah. Anyway. Th- that's an interesting, uh, you know, that's an interesting technique. It's an interesting method. I have now adopted it uh, pretty much with all of my social interactions. <laughs> I just choose to punch people in the face now, which, you know, it's a choice. It's my journey. And I refuse to allow people to tell me wrong. And if they, you know, try to arrest me, I just say, oh, I work for the police. And they're like, oh, okay, you can do whatever you want. So, um, Ilias, do you have anything to add before we get going? First, I'm going to read. So, Greg Bigda, the the officer in question here, um, on was this December, on December 13th, was acquitted on all four counts of what he was charged with here. And I'll get into all of the details, but um, Ilias, if you want to jump in before I get going, please do. I don't have anything to add right now um, other than to note that, you know, the acquittal is is unsurprising given uh, what we know about the difficulties it is to get uh, any accountability um, uh, when someone's rights are trampled. Uh, but I just want to put that note out there because I think there's a tendency to think, oh, if someone's acquitted, then um, then nothing happened. And that's not uh, how these cases typically um, turn out. Well, I mean, you're, you're going to listen to it and I'm going to continually remind you as a listener to keep in mind that this person was acquitted because 
And that to me shows me what the justice system really is because you, you hear it. And then if you want to go to the YouTube video, just go and look for, just search on YouTube for Springfield PD interrogation, Greg Bigda, or just Springfield PD interrogation, and it will come up. It's pretty much the only thing that comes up. And um, you see him, and, and this is, again, this is a 15-year-old kid. And um, basically in the video, when we get to it, he Bigda is pissed because this kid and his friend stole his police car and made him look like a fool. And this, this is how he reacts when he gets his police car stolen. I mean, honestly, you know, that's an upsetting thing. Kids shouldn't be going out stealing police cars. That's ridiculous. You shouldn't do that. But you mm-hmm. also shouldn't do well, what Greg Bigda has done. You know, the rumor was, and I'm not sure if it'll come out, you know, more as we research what happened with the trial. But I remember the rumor when the story first broke was that he had been drinking all day and went to get pizza and unfortunately, or by accident, left uh, his car running. And that's when some teenagers stole it. So I think that's, I heard that's how that happened. Uh, someone wow. correct me if I'm wrong, but. Well, that it, if he was drunk, it wouldn't surprise me just by, and just by his reaction to what was going on here. But, but the other thing is, there are at least two other officers standing in the cell with him, including his partner. And another uniformed officer standing in the cell laughing at times at what he's saying to this kid, the threats, the screaming, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I'll get into that in a second. First, I want to start with the um, Mass Live article from December 13th, uh, 2021 at 8.20 p.m. Um, it says Springfield Narcotics Detective Greg A. Bigda was acquitted on four criminal counts Monday afternoon after a week-long police brutality trial. A 27-year veteran of the police force, Bigda averted a lengthy prison sentence with acquittals, which came after jurors deliberated for roughly nine hours over two days. Bigda was indicted in 2018 by a federal grand jury for excessive force in connection with allegedly punching and kicking a young car theft suspect during an arrest in 2016, two counts of abusive interrogation for threatening to kill and plant drugs on them, plus drafting a false police report, which he said he was going to do in the video. (laughs) Uh, He faced up to 15 years behind bars if convicted. Prosecutors portrayed Bigda as a racist cop who attacked the Latino boys after they stole an undercover police car left running outside a Springfield pizza shop. There you go, Chris. See, Chris is always at adding the content. However, Bigda's lawyer, Timothy uh, Flaherty, during his opening and closing statements, argued the government cherry-picked evidence and, witnessed, and witnesses to build a skewed case against his client. Sure. Attorneys on both sides declined to comment after the verdict. As the centerpiece of its case, the government published ugly videos of Bigda haranguing three boys identified at trial by their first names or initials, uh, Georgie, 16, Daniel, 15, and Evadel, 14. I'm, quote, I'm going to fucking kill you in the parking lot, and I'll stick a fucking kilo of coke in your pocket and put you away for 15 fucking years. I'm not hampered by the truth because I don't give a fuck. People like you belong in jail, he screamed at Daniel. City detectives had tracked the boys uh, to Palmer, uh, 
after they heard a call about their stolen car being spotted in Wilbraham in the early morning hours of uh, February 27th, 2016. Police in neighboring communities chased the speeding car into Palmer where the chase stopped, but the boys took off on foot. They were tracked with the help of a police dog to the porch of a nearby home. Daniel testified when he saw Bigda repeatedly punch Evadel, who was 14, in the head while the boy, oh, there it is, punching in the head while the boys were already in handcuffs and on the ground. <laughs> he told jurors Bigda then marched over to him and yelled, Welcome to White Town, and kicked him in the face. Bigda denied doing either. Sure. Another officer on scene testified that a third detective, Stephen uh, Vingalt, bragged about kicking the boy in the face. And that's where the narrative became tangled. Vingalt was originally charged in the case, but that charge was dropped after Daniel said it was big to not Vingalt. It's amazing that Daniel couldn't get it straight who was kicking him in the face. Come on, Daniel. Give me a break. He's kicking you in the face in the middle of the night. How do you not know who who assaulted him? Uh, Vingalt had previously denied this accusation, though he resigned from the police force over the matter. The government granted Vingalt immunity from prosecution during the trial, but he was never called as a witness. Aha. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. Why would they call him as a witness? He was just there and kicked someone in the face, apparently, allegedly. The, The acquittals brought... To a, clo- to a close, a dark chapter for the police department, but may present a conundrum for police commissioner Cheryl C. Claprod. Claprod? Big to, <laughs> Big to may be entitled to three years of back pay and reinstatement. Oh, my God. <laughs> he has he been suspended without pay since his indictment. Oh, poor Big to, But he also may face departmental charges and be fired. Oh, no, don't fire Big Da, please, not him. I have faith in the judicial system and honor and respect their decision. We'll review the transcripts from the trial to ensure our internal investigation unit has all the facts before moving forward with any decisions, Claprod said. Mayor Dominic J. Serrano was less diplomatic in his response after the verdict. I am not appointing... I'm not the appointing authority that rests with Commissioner Claprod. However, this has been a stain and dark cloud hanging over our department for well over six years. I have seen the videotape. My feeling is there is no place on the force uh, for him on the force. Serrano said in a statement, wow, someone who's actually sane. (laughs) Bishop Talbot Swan II, president of the Greater Springfield NAACP, also cl- called for Bigda's removal from the police department and decried the verdict. The failure to convict Bigda only highlights the perceived value of Black and Latino life and reinforces the stereotypes which justify racial um, animus against our males. Their disenfranchisement, abuse, brutalization, and mass incarceration, Swan said in a statement. It further sends a clear message that a white officer can be caught on video brutalizing and threatening to murder and plant evidence on citizens and be justified in the eyes of a jury. Again, someone who's sane. So, um, yeah, that that's the setup. He was acquitted. 
Um, on no, it's, hard, it's, oh, go ahead. It's interesting that that other officer didn't testify because that's either the prosecution purposely didn't call him or he uh, exercised his right not to testify. And it's probably, I'd assume, the latter. Um, but then, you know, the prosecutor also could have gotten uh, gotten him immunity. So I, I would want to find out exactly what happened there um, because, you know, it could uh, it could say something about the prosecutor or, um, you know, uh, and their strategy. Right. And, and how serious they took it. Right. And right. who prosecuted this case? Because I think one of the problems uh, in um, all around the country and you saw it with the um, Ahmad Arbery case, which is it's very hard for a prosecutor who uh, talks on the phone with the detective, maybe on a monthly basis, maybe goes to some award ceremony where they cut the cake together and, and, and put on those pointy hats and have a good time to turn around and say, actually, I'm, in, I'm investigating you. Um, so was this a state prosecution or was this federal? Let me look. I think it was federal, but I could be wrong. Because I think that that's the that one concern I have. Federal. Federal. So so we're really relying on the federal government to do, you know, their level best in these cases. And I'm not saying they didn't, but uh, it is odd that you'd give immunity to someone and then not have them testify. Uh, I mean, that uh, almost sounds like you just gave them immunity. Right. Right. And it, I mean... Do you think we would be afforded that if, if they, you know, I mean, it, it's just, and this is what drives me crazy because um, if you saw in the news, you know, the prosecutor for New York, who's going after Trump and his kids for their alleged, you know, uh, shady business practices with inflating the cost of their, you know, pr uh, the, the value of their properties uh, to investors and then under and undervaluing the, uh, Costs of the properties to the Fed, so they pay less taxes. Um, that person, that prosecutor, said no one is above the law. And my challenge to that is, you that prosecutor is above the law, and most prosecutors and most people who work in law enforcement I have seen have attended like play by a different set of rules. We only see a lot of you know the the most egregious stuff that happens to leak out. But most, I, I am assuming a lot is swept under the rug and a lot of these people do not play by the same set of rules that you and I are forced to play by by them. And that that is the crux of what this podcast is about to me. And um, that's, that is what is wrong with, the, with society. And it's not just, uh, it, I think black and brown people are, are unfairly treated and are, are targeted mostly, but it's everyone. If they are targeting you, you, regardless of your skin color, you are going to, they're going to come after you with everything. And, um, and if they're, if people that work for uh, prosecutors or work, you know, in the federal government and they're friends with prosecutors, uh, do something that wrong, that's similar, they won't come after you with the same gusto. And that is just flat out wrong. They're playing favorites and it happens all the time. All right. So let's, let's get into the audio. So I'm going to play uh, track one here. It's the beginning of the interrogation. All right, boss. Here's your opportunity. Who's the kid at the hospital? The doc? Oh, look at that. You know what that is? What is that? That's his motherfucking blood, right? How old are you? I'm 16. 
16, all right. What does that mean? You might have a Springfield and suck in the teeth, all right? You speak to him. That means when we go back to fucking Springfield, you're mine. And you're going to be leaving here in a fucking minute, okay? Who's getting in the hospital? What's his real name? Don't even fucking guess. All right. So uh, if if you had a hard time hearing that, what what the officer said there was he, he pointed to his boot and he said, you see that that's blood and yours is going to be next to that uh, if if you don't cooperate, essentially. So he was he was pointing out that he had blood on his boot from kicking someone in the face. Yeah. And he's asking what the real name of the kid in the hospital is who was sent there from being kicked in the face. Right. Right. And he also asked how old this person was, and he made it clear that he was a minor. And so at that point, the interview should have stopped completely, yeah. uh, but it keeps going. Yeah. Where are your parents? We need to bring them in because I can't interrogate a minor without yeah, their parents Interested here. adult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, I see three problems. I'll just go out and jump the gun here on, 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 on where my mind is at. So first of all, he's a minor. So there's that uh, issue. And I think the the listener needs to understand that there's a separate set of rules. Uh, minors are not uh, equivalent decision makers uh, that grownups are. And for that reason, they get an extra layer of protection too. He's a, a suspect in a uh, criminal uh, investigation and he has Miranda rights. And I'm, I'm not sure, did we, did they, did they skip over the part where they Mirandize him? We'll, we'll, we can delve into that later. And then the third thing is that if there's a car theft, is that what this is? A car theft investigation? Yes. Um, and potential pretty, pretty robbery because right? he had they had a bunch of coins on them that were wrapped up. So okay. he's trying to get to the bottom of that. So it's a theft investigation, the victim of which is a detective bigda. So imagine living in a world where the victims investigate the crime. That would be really fascinating, right? Imagine if somebody steals from you and then you get the, the right to, to, to go with guns uh, holstered to their house and, and say, I'm going to investigate you, you're mine. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a real problem why anyone didn't think that maybe Bigda is not the right fit for this case. Um, doesn't seem like this is, he might be a little, a tad emotional. Anyone, uh, anyone want to <laughs> go out on that limb and say, maybe he should get uh, the night off and cool down and let's let somebody who's supposedly a, a little more dispassionate and neutral do this investigation. So just remind me the video, it, it's of a prison cell, right? It's not, or not a prison cell, but just a, a cell in the station. It's not like an interview room, right? No, yeah, they're in a holding cell. He interviews two suspects, the two of the kids, and they're both in holding cells. Yeah, so usually an interview is, you know, on tape in one of those rooms, and they start off the interview saying who they are, who the person is, what time it is, and get their consent in writing uh, in order to tape it and go forward with the interview. Then they go over the Miranda rights and see if the person wants to talk and sign in writing saying that they're willing to talk. So he's skipping all of those and also the step of going to the interrogation room. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, that's unorthodox, but um, I, I suppose they, they weren't really thinking of this as an interrogation, so to speak. He just was not thinking of the rules and, and just... <laughs> acting out of anger, I suspect, but, yeah. um, and I'm sure he was humiliated too. And that, right. and, and you get that, um, like coming through loud and clear, but this is how he acts when, when he 
when he does that. And I think you, Ilias, you mentioned Miranda rights. Um, in fairness to Greg Bigda, he had the Miranda rights um, written on the bottom of his shoe. So if <laughs> if they couldn't see it while they were being kicked in the face, that is on them. You know, I, I side with Bigda there. Yeah. But a, a defense attorney probably got that video when these kids were being, like after they were arraigned for the motor vehicle theft, right? Yep, yep. All right, so here's the next clip. Sorry, um, that original clip, that clip there uh, was a little tough to hear at the beginning. I've tried to crank it up as much as possible. I'll ask, uh, you know, when, when you're listening to this, I'll, I'll ask Randy uh, after this to to crank it up as much as you can. But it's really hard to hear in the clip itself because the kid is, is speaking very, very quietly. Mm-hmm. And there's just one there's just one camera there, um, you know, that's picking up the audio and it's in the back of the cell. So it might be tough. To hear that, we'll try to get it up as much as possible. But he essentially, Bigda was asking the kid uh, who was with him, what's the name of the other kid, uh, still trying to get that name. And again, he pointed to the blood on his boot and said, uh, motherfucker, this is going to be, you see that blood? This is going to be, yours is going to be next to this. All right, I'll play the next clip. Or right, Does anyone have anything to add? Or Okay. Mm-mm. <laughs> How did you get a little change in anything? All you got? Yeah. You sure? Your best you're gonna do. Your brother runs with him, you said? Um, yeah. And you, you don't know where he's from? Cool. Um, not really, because like, I don't really go outside. So, like, you got outside tonight, you jumped to the stolen car and got in a chase. I don't know. That's a big jump from not going outside. I don't even know I was telling that story. He just said, oh, you want to call me? Yeah. Where'd you get in the car? Huh? Where did you get in the car? Um, it's from Alligator by, um, Sununko from Wellington. He got to Taylor mm-hmm. and then, um, Sununko. Yeah. Gas station. You got picked up at the gas station? Yeah. Like a little alley right there? Yeah. Who was driving the car? Um, <laughs> Who else was in the car when you got picked up? Um, uh, no, 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 no. When he picked you up in the car, before you got in it, who was already in the car? Oh, nobody. It was just me and him. And he just said, oh, you want to come with me so I can pick up? 
No, no, my brother was in the car. Your brother was in the car? Who's the kid who ran? No, I don't even know. He just started, oh, call me. I didn't really want to, so I was tired of him in my house. And he just said, oh, just call me. And they told me, oh, don't go. Because I was just tired. So he just said, oh, just call me and I'll, and I'll bring him back home just to get this kid back home. Does that make much sense to you? Just jump in my car so I can go pick him up and I'll bring you home. Does that make any sense to you? Just jump in the car. Let's just go. I mean, you need to go with me while I pick him up. Somebody you don't even know. Does that sound like a lot of fucking sense to you? What were you guys doing? You know, you know, you know what the benefit I have to Springfield? We don't have a nice dude apartment like this. You know what? At my apartment, see that camera up there? It don't fucking exist. So anything that happens to you at my place, Never happened. If I don't write in a report, it never fucking happened. You want this to be the worst day of your life? Because I think you're fucking lying to me. Alright. Motherfucker, I'm telling you right now, you're going back to my house in a minute. My house is a fucking whole different world. You decide to come to Palmer on your own, you come back to Springfield, different world. We don't play the same fucking game. Do you still want to stick with that? You have no idea who the other kid is? I have no idea where I got in the car all that shit? You're alright with that? Do you think... Alright. Dude, you're telling me the truth. You're fine. If you're lying to me, that's you. <laughs> and can you just tell the listeners what he was doing there when he said that's you in the video? Again, pointed to his boot and, uh, yeah, threatening him. So, I mean, that that was crazy. That whole segment is unbelievable. Um, he threatened to, I mean, first of all, he admitted that pretty nonchalantly that uh, the spring, if you go to the Springfield Police Department, they don't have cameras there so they can um, beat up suspects and then lie on the police report. Right. That That's what he said. He He admitted it right there that he lies on police reports. And it sounds like a fairly routine thing. Was at this point was the 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 boy being held in? Did he say in Palmer? Is that where this was? Or I, I'm not sure where it was, Ilias. It but, was I a, mean, it wasn't in Springfield. It wasn't the, in Springfield. It was a different police station. Yeah. Yeah, and one of them's at the hospital, so I don't know where that. Okay, because I think there's a there's an element of this that that uh, uh, you can uh, get a glimpse of in in the civil litigation world, which is that holding uh, 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 cells. Um, for, I guess, obvious reasons that I'm going to state, unfortunately, uh, have cameras in them in order to protect uh, the the occupants against uh, um, physical abuse that they're vulnerable to. And I think that sometimes people forget that. And I think if you're in an unfamiliar confine, you're maybe unaware. Now, he does say, see that camera. So Big does clearly aware of the camera. But I guess the implication is that maybe there's places in Springfield that don't have cameras. Um, yeah, that wasn't the implication. He he flat out said that. Yeah, that Springfield so, isn't updated. So I think that people need to understand this isn't a recording that was like voluntarily and consensually made by the police. This is because there's a camera there. Uh, and I'm not kidding that there's a case where um, uh, where the the recognition of there being a camera came uh, 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 just in time for somebody to disable the camera and then an inmate got uh, very badly injured 
Uh, and when he regained consciousness, it turns out there was a hole in the video. Um, and, and so, uh, this is, this is sort of just the reality that certain, uh, uh, police have learned to navigate. And, and I think that, that, that threat that I can take you someplace that is, um, sort of like Jeffrey Epstein, a little bit harder to, uh, uh keep on video. Um, you know, that's a pretty, uh, 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 startling threat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, the fact that he. I mean, it, what I got from that is that they are, so the Springfield PD, or at least Greg Bigda, is very much aware that you know this, the Springfield Police Department lacks the technology to the surveillance technology to keep people accountable for not abusing people in cells, and um, they, he's using that as leverage to try to threaten this kid into telling him what he wants to hear, regardless of whether or not it's true. He's just threatening him to to get this kid to give him information that he thinks this kid has. He's not interested in the truth. He it seems to me that Bigda has already made up his mind as to what the truth is, which is a terrible way to to be a police officer in general. But he's saying that the kid is lying to him because it doesn't what he's saying doesn't make sense to him. Fine. But he's like, unless you give me what you want, I'm dragging you to Springfield where it's basically a hellhole where I can do anything I want to you and it will not be uh, recorded. It's nuts. All right, let's get going with clip four of the interrogation. What were you guys doing in the car? Oh, Luigi's trying to... What'd you break into? Huh? What'd you break into? Okay. Where'd you use the quarters from? The quarters? All the coins in your pocket. Oh, no, he got you. He gave them to me, someone... You know I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you when we get back to Springfield right now. You just lied right to my face. Why? Because you fucking broke into something. I know you did. You know you did. Uh, so when we get back, I'm gonna tune you the fuck up because you just lied to me. And I'm telling you in advance. And I'm being nice to you. I'm, I'm man up. You're a fucking grown ass man. So I'm just gonna let you know right now. From what? They're not from the fucking car. It's my fucking car. Now you're fucking making me mad! Fucking start telling me the goddamn truth! That's my fucking car! My car! Where'd you get the quarters? The back seat. Last chance. That's where you got them from. That's where you got them from. I don't see my dad. He doesn't know what he's done. Nope. Nope. All right, any idea whose car it was? <laughs> um, so he's he he called a fifteen year old a grown ass man. That was that's um, he again threatened to beat him uh, if you couldn't hear what uh, the um, defendant was saying or the or the kid was saying. He was just basically. He, he said he didn't know whose car it was. He just got picked up randomly. Um, and uh, that infuriated Bigda, who then, you know, basically said he was lying, said he was going to beat him, beat the shit out of him because he was lying to him. Did he and, say, I'm going to, I couldn't hear it too well. Did he say, I'm going to fuck you up or beat you up? What specifically did he say? Because I think the first time was beat you up. And then the second time was tune you up, which I assume is mm -hmm. some uh, equivalent. <laughs> 
Um, but, you know, just a couple of observations. I mean, the, the one thing I can't help but think whenever police complain about um, a person of interest, quote unquote, lying to them is the fact that the Supreme Court has said that the police can lie to us uh, with almost no consequence. So um, it's sort of there's a, a funny asymmetry that somehow if they accuse you of lying without, by the way, any anything more than a hunch, which might not get you a, a necessarily probable cause um, that they, they can get mad at us and get in our face. But but we can't do anything about them uh, lying to us. I mean, that's from the Supreme Court for uh, for eons. So um, that kind of, uh, you know, I can't help but notice that um, uh, inconsistency. I was just going to point out he's not being very careful with his threats because, you know, they might say something like, we'll throw the book at you or something less straightforward than I'm going to beat you up, right? So that later on they could claim plausible deniability and say, well, I wasn't really talking about physical force. I just meant we were going to charge him with everything that we could. But he's not even taking those precautions. He's just saying, I'm going to physically hurt you, essentially. Yeah, and he, and he right. knew he was on camera. So this just shows crazy. they don't care. And, and, and guess what? He got acquitted. So it doesn't matter. He was right. It doesn't matter. That's well, yeah. why he did it, because it does not matter. Well, the, the other thing, too, I mean, the, 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 um, the kid is uh, at the time is 15. Is that correct? Right. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm inferring from what I've read and heard that the boy is um, uh, Hispanic. Um, and, and therefore may not appear to be, uh, white. Um, and there's pretty good studies that show that, uh, white people are terrible at, uh, divining the age of people of color, um, and tend to overstate, uh, or overestimate the age and then therefore add or impute is the correct word intentionality to behavior that if it was a, a white child, you'd be like, Oh, isn't that cute? Um, and so, you know, uh, stealing a cop car um, it would be terrible uh, until you remember that on Friday nights in the in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a TV show about how awesome and lovable that was. It was called Dukes of Hazard. And there was nothing <laughs> wrong with white people stealing police cars back then and, and watching inept police uh, trip over themselves to try to do something about it. So this sort of, you know racial element, I think, you know, has to be understood as, as sort of a driver here. Right. And, and, and trust me, um, the further we get into these interviews, the more blatant the racism becomes. Uh, and, and remember, I read the article earlier that said uh, these officers, when they attacked these, these kids said, welcome to white town. So, and that's not funky town that that's <laughs> all together. And so I believe he said, I'm going to tune you up, Ilias. And you asked and you were unsure what that meant. That actually means changing his spark plugs. So that is a tune up. So, again, that I'm bringing the uh, the knowledge here. So you're welcome, guys. All right. So let's play the next clip. Real quick, um, at the end of that, you heard some noise at the end of that last clip. That was the noise of the uh, cell door shutting. He, The big just said, you're fucked, and walked out of the cell, leaving the kid by himself after that last exchange, telling him he was going to beat the shit out of him, and then 
said, okay, you're fucked, and then shuts the cell door, and then he walks over. This is the interrogation of another one of the kids. It's a, a second kid. What's your name? What is it? Yeah. 
What do you, he goes by just Angel or you call him something else on the street? Angel, that's how I know him. That's how? Yeah. He's been locked up before? How'd you guys end up this way? He was just driving, driving. You don't fucking just drive the Palmer. That's just stupid. He said he was just driving. Yeah. It's 5.20 in the morning, Daniel. About three hours ago, they stopped paying me to be here. When they stopped paying me, you know what that means? You get pissed. Exactly. I've been fucking humping through woods with a fucking dog shitting all over the fucking place, bleeding all over the fucking place for a bunch of little fucking cock-sucking piece of shit like yourself. You know what that makes me? Mad. Now, we can fucking all this, you know, it's a game. It's all a game. You, you do your part, I do my part. But the problem is, you fucking get on my bad side, my game gets a whole lot realer than yours. So, wow. <laughs> he's just bringing the professionalism. That's, that's what I say right there. He is, he's really just a professional guy. And so if you couldn't hear, I know the audio is a little rough because it's, it's taken from the, the camera from the cell. So, you know, and they're a little ways away, but uh, essentially Big Da was asking who was driving the car. He, he really wants to know who was driving that car. And the kid that's being interrogated said his name is Angel and he doesn't really know him. He's in his class. And, um, you know, Big Da said, well, why are you just driving around? He also asks about coins that were found in one of the suspect's cars because they're like rolled quarters and coins that Big Da suspects were stolen from a business, but he has no proof. But yet he is he, he gets as, as the interrogation continues, he he gets more and more obsessed with those coins because he, quote, knows that they stole them from somewhere. Um, and that's just great. Uh, detective work, knowing, thinking you know the answer before, you know, you get all the evidence. One thing I was going to note, so this is the interview with another individual, not the first one, right? Correct. And, and he brought up the camera thing again. So yeah. it's not just a slip of the tongue. He wants these children to be intimidated by the fact that he can take them, you know, off screen for a minute and do whatever he wants to them. Right. So, and and yeah. he's bragging that it's Springfield's reputation to be essentially a gulag that people get dragged to and beaten senseless at the whim of people like Bigda who know everything. And if you're lying and Bigda knows you're lying because he knows everything, you will get beaten because you deserve it because he knows everything. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, speaking of uh, the offensive act uh, of lying, one thing Big Dis said that was probably untrue is that he's not getting paid. He's probably getting overtime. Oh God! Uh, yeah. Because all police departments um, allow officers who, um, kind of like in the NBA, if you get your shot off before the buzzer goes and the the shot goes in, it counts. So if you start a car chase or ask for a warrant or have to detain a suspect or do anything that uh, that started, uh, even if it was one second. Uh, into uh, at the tail end of your shift, you get paid for that uh, aftermath at uh, usually time and a half. So, um, and and I, I, what time? What day? Do we know the date that this happened, uh, uh, Jamie or Chris? It, it was 2016. I don't know the exact date. Well, I don't know if it was a school night, but we're, I, I, he said something about three hours ago. So we're now into 
the late uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say late. We're now in the in the in the in in the um, closer to dawn than we are midnight. I'm guessing. He said it was uh, five a.m. Five a.m. So, so there's a big problem here. 2016. You're interrogating a kid who hasn't slept, uh, and you're holding him in a cell, and 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 maybe you're used to working the midnight shift, but you know these are kids who I don't know, you know, if it's a school night or not. Uh, but there is something very concerning about ha- keeping the kids up this late to answer. Um, a barrage of questions about who was sitting in which position of the car. And, and like, so do you think this would happen in, in, uh, you know, Sudbury? <laughs> if, if a bunch of Sudbury kids from Sudbury, uh, Lincoln Sudbury stole a police car and led cops on a wild goose chase, you, you think they'd get dragged into the police station and threatened to be, have the shit beaten out of them? Well, didn't, didn't MIT kids once steal a, 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 a state, a police cruiser put it on put top it on the, of the dome put it on top of the dome and i don't remember reading about how kids got uh um kicked in the head uh and and interrogated um uh, through all hours of the night uh, but maybe i missed that story right but we all know from the last episode that kicking people in the head is just what springfield does you know like that i mean it can't be helped that's that's their thing and you know we we don't want to prevent them from doing what they they love so here's the next clip. You broke into some place, and that's where all those fucking coins came from. You're in a fucking stolen police vehicle, which really makes your fucking day bad right now. Because you think your eye hurts now? Well, you come back to my house. That's my car you fucking stole. Did you know that? And that angel, who you miraculously don't know and miraculously got in the car, you can't help with a name on. You know what that means? I could so crush I, your fucking skull and fucking get away with it. So I don't understand how he wasn't found guilty, right? Like, did they not play how, this tape? Dude, how is that possible? He's bragging. And he didn't. Okay. And and so we're going to get into, we found um, a Mass Live article that's out there that um, is excellent. That That I guess they found some of the transcripts for this trial. And... Um, there's some crazy stuff in there, and we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But um, the fact that they that he's saying all this stuff so blatantly, and and he wasn't convicted is an absolute abomination. How is that even possible? How well, is he, that possible? No, it's it's possible because of of what we've been covering in part on this podcast. He said, "I will get away with it," and that's probably the one truthful thing he said. Um, so I think that that uh, there's a pretty good uh, sense uh, at the gut level of of where lines are um, that that uh, um, that as long as you don't cross those lines, you're going to get away with it. Right. Uh, and and I think that we the the um, the people at large uh, seem to tolerate a certain amount of 
this type of conduct. I mean, it's been going on in Springfield for how long? Um, and by the way, I should point out, we'll get to it with, with the article, but I mean, this is a narcotics detective. Um, and so this ties back to what we've been talking about, which is that we've so dehumanized drug suspects that this type of behavior by narcotics detectives is actually uh, almost like glorified on TV. And now here's a guy who is out of his domain. He's now investigating, I guess, car theft instead of narcotics. Um, and you can see the methodology that's used. Yeah. And, and obviously this is, he is taking this very personally because this is humiliating for him because it's his car. As he said a million times, it's my fucking car. That's when he screams and yells because it's his car. He's taking it personally. It's a personal affront to him and his ego. And he does not, you know, abide that. And these guys, these little, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's feeling he, he wants to say what he really feels inside, which is, I'm sure, something racist or demeaning uh, about these kids. Because he's, you know, he he said, you know, the name Angel. There's about, you know, 3000 kids named Angel in this town with no last name. Um, it, he gets more into it and you, and you can really see what he's really all about very soon. But let's play the next clip here unless you guys have anything else. You know, just the welcome to White Town or whatever it was. Right. Uh, what else do you need? Like, come on. White Town? You need to fucking start rethinking your fucking area right now. Like a couple little scrapes, a couple little cuts. And fucking bring the dog back. Let him fucking go at you. You stole a fucking cop car, asshole. Your day is about to go bad. You want to rethink anything you told me? What'd you break into? Because you obviously broke into something. You only had a car for less than an hour. There's fucking coins fucking flying all over the goddamn car. Well, you know what they you know what they broke into? Obviously no, sir. Because before we go, you guys started chasing us, he was only in the car for like about 45 minutes out. Really sure you want to where you want to go. You better be goddamn serious, because you know what? You fucking just put yourself on the list. Not only do you have to survive tonight, which is fucking questionable, but from here on out, you live in Springfield, right? Where? You stole a fucking cop car. How fucking think you? How how fucking great do you think that is for the rest of your life? Yeah. So not only threatening to kill him that night, but if he, if he happens to survive the night uh, for the rest of his life, he will be harassed by the Springfield PD. That was the threat that was just made there. Unbelievable. Not guilty on all counts. All right, let's go to the next one. Couple opportunities here. Who Angel is, what you broke into to get the coins, won't be the third. Won't be there any third opportunities because that's all we really need, right? So those are two things I want. Listen, I want you to think about something too, because I want to know who Angel is. I want you to think about who he runs with. I don't even know that kind of shit. Well, like, I just met him this year, 2016. Okay. I don't know him, like, where did you meet him? 
before they get back to Springfield, I guess. Yeah, come on. What happened to Springfield? Now he's just going to kill him? Come on. There's no cameras in Springfield. Um, so, you know, there it's, um, you know, that you don't know who your father is. Uh, you people. Um, vaguely, you know, he, he's he's sort of masking what he's really telling this kid, Right. More more uh, notes from White Town. I'll just go to the uh, the next clip. Listen, it's not that you did got out of the car and were opening car doors and shit like that, but you were watching them. Dude, you fucking rolled coin, fucking pockets full of quarters. You broke into fucking something. You're a breaker. We know that. You got nothing on you. They do. So they broke into something. I just want to know where it is. So the fucking working man can get his fucking shit back. Save yourself some fucking grief. Save yourself a whole lot of fucking angry cops fucking hunting you every day. Tell me what you fucking broke into. You ain't gonna get charged because you don't have any on you. I know I'm not gonna get charged, I'm saying it's all. Oh, dude, motherfucker. Hey, motherfucker, I'll charge you with killing Kennedy and fucking make it stick. So don't fucking tell me what you're not gonna get charged with. I'm not hampered by the fucking truth because I don't give a fuck. People like you belong in jail. So don't fucking tell me what I'm gonna do and what I'm not gonna do. I know I'm gonna get charged. I'll fucking charge you whatever. I'll, I'll stick a fucking kilo of coke in your pocket and put you away for fucking 15 years. I don't give a fuck about you. I give a fuck about the guy you broke into. He threatened. <laughs> I will put a kilo of coke in your pocket and send you away for 15 years. I will stick. You know, I I will uh, stick JFK's murder on you and make it stick. I, I like I don't care about the truth. Right. The, I'm not hampered by the truth statement uh, is is what I was referring to earlier, that we've we've authorized police to treat the truth as as uh, sort of expendable. Right. And and uh, and that allows for this mentality that, you know, police reports can be revisionist history, that they can use deceptive interrogation techniques. Um, and and uh, and in the entire interrogation methodology that is used in this country, where the where every answer you give is either what they want to hear or is is a lie, uh, we know that that produces false confessions, which is 
you know, false confessions are, are pro probably one of the top reason, reasons that innocent people get incarcerated. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's minors are particularly vulnerable to this because they're, they're with their not fully formed, uh, 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 um, a system of rational thought. They're making split second calculations that maybe seem like a good idea at the time, but are terrible, uh, in the long run. And that's why there should be a, a guardian's present and a lawyer, and and uh, there should be some discontinuance of the investigation until maybe normal waking hours. It's, I mean, what's the point? Like, like, what are they really doing? What is their job? Is their job to find the truth, or is their job to manufacture the truth, whatever um, narrative they want to just lock someone away who they suspect is guilty? Well, I mean, there's an interesting contrast in, for example, the way uh, many European countries question somebody, which is simply get the statement, right? That's what the police are supposed to do. They're supposed to get the statement from somebody. If you don't like what's in that statement, there's time to come back and do another round or, you know, now you have a statement, but, but just ask the person for their version of what happened and that's it. And if the person doesn't want to tell you something, which we'll get to, by the way, we'll get to... Um, the legal mechanism by which people in this country are allowed to not tell the police anything. And one uh, uh, officer big does utilization of that method. Um, but, you know, get, ask the questions once and that's it. You don't need to keep drilling down. And I think that's a, that's a fundamental flaw of the way policing is done in this country that we, we sort of badger and berate and lie to people and cajole um, and in the hopes that they crack under pressure. And that's not, that doesn't seem like a, a civilized system at all. No. And, and it's not about getting the truth. It's just about, you know, telling them what they want to hear, regardless of whether it's true or not. They are uninterested in the truth. They think they know the truth and they, they're not willing to look to see if it's the actual truth. Like he's talking about what the coins here. He keeps yeah. mentioning those coins and he's like, I know you robbed a working man and I want to know who it was. Tell me who it was. And it's like you that this guy doesn't even know if, if those coins where those coins came from or what happened. Right. I'm There's trying no to think idea. of I'm trying to think of how many rolls of quarters does it take to get you over the 250 uh, larceny uh, threshold. Um <laughs> But that doesn't seem like a, the the super most important crime that took place in 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 the Springfield region that night, right? Um, the great coin theft of 2017. But there you have it. <laughs> All right, let's go. Next clip. So I'm giving you an opportunity, and again, I'm telling you, I'm not going to charge you with it. I just want to be able to fucking find out where it is, so I can give the guy his fucking money back and fucking straighten this shit out. And I know you know. Pretty clean offer, dude. Uh, listen, listen, listen. Okay, then just tell me where it is. Where were they broke into? The fucking coins fucking falling out of everybody's pocket. I wasn't with them. I wasn't with them that long. That was the fucking first thing in conversation, right? A bunch of fucking hoopy worthy boys getting a fucking car together after they fucking hit someplace and got a fucking pocket full of coins. First thing you're going to say is what they broke into. Did they tell you they did that? That's fucking bullshit. Some of the dudes is gonna tell me what to do. Dude, I'm gonna kick you right in the fucking face as soon as we cross the Springfield line. That's a bunch of fucking shit. You steal my car, 
You break into a fucking working man's business. Any of that sound like something that I want to fucking give you a break for? What's the kid in the hospital's name again? He left the cell again. So that's the end of that guy's interrogation. And uh, one other one other observation about um, narcotics uh, uh, policing that there's a fundamental flaw in in the way in this country money and people's possession of it is treated. So if you see somebody walking down the street with a roll of $100 bills, if depending on what you think of that person, either a crime was committed in your mind or no crime was committed, right? If you see Bob Kraft with a roll of $100 bills, you're like, I love you, Bob Kraft. You keep uh, taking my money, right? That's what, that's what we think. But if you see a, a, a Hispanic 15-year-old with quarters, and by the way, that could be like laundry money. That could be that that he works at a job where, uh, you know, that at the end of the night, there's a bunch of uh, quarters and that's how people get paid. I have no idea. Right. Uh, but why is that prima facie evidence of a crime? It, and I think that's the mentality of, of narcotics policing is that if you see money, you get to, we'll get to this, you get to take it and, and make that an element of the crime. Well, maybe, uh, I mean, if he, I'm just trying to think, out of the box um, so that they, they can charge them with stealing the car, but that's not going to maybe get civil forfeiture into play. But if they can tie the use of the car into a crime related with drugs, maybe, I don't know, but it's their car to begin with. I'm sorry. Never mind. Yeah. No, I, I think I, it's not clear to me at this point why they're so bent. I mean, look, the car, that's a felony, right? Stealing a car. Right. Yeah. So there you go. You know, if, I assume that like one felony a night is pretty good for like a police officer. I assume because I, I think they actually, on average, make fewer uh, um, felony arrests than one per day. I think it's two per year per officer, something very low that people don't know. Um, but one per day seems pretty good, right? That's like Carmelo Anthony getting 30 points a night. You're like, I'm pretty satisfied with my 30 points. Why do I need to get a, a second felony into the mix? Um, I, I don't really understand it. Uh, he just is, I don't know, he's trying to pin as much as he can on these guys. Who knows? This is He's just raging. He's He is like, he's so pissed off that his car got stolen. Right. He is raging pissed. And he just wants to pin as much on these kids as possible. Um, but wouldn't you wait until someone actually reported a theft? Like, I, I'm pretty sure if someone was missing all this money, they would say, hey, someone robbed me. And it was all these quarters. Like, why is he bothering like haranguing and harassing these kids about these quarters when, when it's like pretty obvious if it, there was an actual theft, someone would report it to the police. Right. All right. Well, you told a little bit of the truth. Um, I, the one thing I'm not willing to, who was driving the car? It was an angel. You sure about that? Yeah. Where were you sitting in the car? In the back. Which back? Um. Behind the driver or behind the passenger? Behind the um, driver. I need to know where you broke into. That's my one, my pet peeve of mine. Um, I'll tell you. Okay. But like, me, I didn't. I didn't do 
that's fine. I was like, yeah, it was. There's rolled coins. You don't break into cars and get rolled coins. Um, Where'd you break into? Not me. It was seven. All right, where were they? What did they break into? Um, there's a couple cars. Well, no, again, you don't get rolled coins. You got coin. You know what rolled coin is? It's when the, the paper rolls. That comes out of a business, not out of a fucking car. Because I was scared. I didn't want to do it. All right, all right. Going to cars. Enough for the fucking, enough for the game. What did you break into? Because the other kid already told me that you guys had already broken into it when they picked, when they picked him up. Oh no, we didn't break into any cars when we picked him up. No, it was before he picked him up. Yeah, but like, I didn't break into any cars. Right. Yeah, but again, you don't get rolled coin out of cars. So you broke into a business somewhere. You broke into a building somewhere. They didn't break into a business. You got all the rolled coins. All those coins in your pocket, where did yeah. they come from? Those coins, they were in a bag, and then there was like pennies. And, and the pad that you see, like right here. And yeah, where was this car? It was, it was that car. The car we were in? Yeah, it was in the pad that you see behind the car in a bag. All right. I'm going to tell you one thing again. Again, you, you're awake, right? Yeah. You're fucking conscious. You're speaking English. That's my fucking car! So that fucking coin was not in the car, you stupid fuck! So I fucking left all that coin in my car, and I didn't know about it. Fucking wrinkle your arms, fucking shrug your shoulders again, motherfucker. I dare you. Once you get out you of broke car. into some cars. I'm alright with that. Fucking happens. That's what fucking kids do nowadays in Springfield. But you don't get rolled coins. You don't get fucking rolled coins out of my goddamn car! My car! Right? You think I know what's in my car? I fucking know what's in my car! Whose car? Look, <laughs> well, something just occurred to me. Oh, something just occurred to me, which is another reason earlier that I said that maybe this shouldn't have been uh, Detective Bigda's um, investigation. Mm -hmm. um, let's say that you have something in your car that you don't want people to know about and it gets discovered. You would want to pin it on somebody who had access to your car, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say those that roll of coins is, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 the fruit of some uh, skimming operation or maybe uh, uh, so, uh, somehow tied to some activity you don't want the public to know about, then you would be super intent on getting someone to admit that they mm -hmm. took it. And that seems, to, that's weird that you're like, yeah, the, the grand theft auto, that's no biggie. That happens all the time in Springfield, but you can't steal a roll of coins and by the way, again, I'm going back to the, my point. Why is it stolen and not necessarily fruit evidence that somebody went to a Coinstar machine? Yeah, good points. But whose car was it? <laughs> All right, we'll just skip over the rest of that and go to the next clip. You're fucking degenerate.
I'm trying to give you the opportunity to change this fucking really bad night. I know you know you're a juvenile and all that other shit doesn't going to happen yet. But you got to remember, you live in Springfield, right? I'm there every day. He's there every day. The other 500 police officers are there every day. So when I put you out there as the police department's bitch, and every time you fucking step your head out, what'd you break into? That's all I want to know. I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to fucking do anything with it. I just want to be able to fucking know who I have to notify of what you broke into. And if you tell me a car again, when we get back to Springfield, I'm not going to wait for Springfield. When we hit that fucking line, I'm going to bloody your body. Tell me what you broke into. You don't get gold coin out of a fucking car. From the middle, the night open. Someone had rolled coins in their car. Yeah, well, just, like, well, then you fucking have rolled coin, you stupid fuck. Their pockets full of this shit. Yeah, a rolled coin. Rolled coins. Yeah, in a little wrappers, the whole nine yards. You had fucking pockets full of quarters. Tons of them. Uh, what I put in there was times five and um twenty five of the coin, but they weren't in the thing. They were just like screwing up. We had gold coin, correct? I don't have gold in the car. Was it a car? Yeah. yeah. Like if and you ask him to bring the yellow thing, he's got a bunch of change. Yeah. Yeah. Loose change and pocket like tons of it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't gold. Yeah. The other stuff in the car wasn't. What I thought it was. Like those are not gold. The stuff you had in your pockets, well, yeah. but the stuff that was in the left in the car, my car, my car. You understand that, right? I'm just. I, I I wish we would get to the bottom of whose car it is. I, I, <laughs> well, again, you know, that's that's what this is all about. Like he said and, it a million times. And by the like, way, the I mean, again, the the uh, the question that was asked was where the coins come from, and and one of the boys answered they were in the car. Yeah, he said. So, you know, my, I'm going back to what I said just now that, you know, now this idea that, well, maybe they were there before and, and, and Bigel doesn't want us to know that. That's kind of, you know, that, that theory seems to have some legs. Right. And I mean, <laughs> dude, this is just bonkers. I'm going to bloody your body. Yeah. It sounds like a Marilyn Manson video. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, who is this clown? Yeah, and, and, I can't imagine him getting found not guilty unless the prosecutor somehow threw the case. Yeah. Right? Because the video speaks for itself. He's on tape. Yeah. Pointing at his boots, screaming in their face that he's going to kill them. Like, what more do you need? Like, what more is required for a conviction? Him to actually kill them? On Is this like Trump? Where he can shoot him on Fifth Avenue and get away with it? Yes, it actually is. Well, what's amazing to me, well, actually, it's not amazing, but I think it's important to 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 use this as an example. Whenever you hear someone use that uh, butchered phrase, bad apples, that, oh, it's just a few bad apples. The actual phrase is that a few bad apples spoil the bunch. And in this case, you have other apples observing this bad apple, not intervening, 
and and thereby spoiling themselves. So I think we see exactly what people have been talking about, which is that the police can't police themselves. I mean, I don't know how many th- uh, threats uh, we're up to by now, but I've I think I've lost count. Right. Um, but if a regular person makes a threat like that in the presence of a police officer, uh, right? That's that's um, that, that's uh, getting, uh, grounds that, for arrest. Right. Yeah, that can be assault if they're placed in imminent fear of bodily harm. Especially if what you're threatening, you've already done, or maybe I should clarify, uh, correct that. So one of you has already done. So that's a very, very believable threat. I'm going to kick right. you in the head again. Unbelievable. Last clip. The rest of the stuff that was found in the car was rolled coins, which means it came from a fucking business. Um, she, she searched it, and then that's when I found those, and then that's when I started to and then. Who found the, 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 the money roll wrapped up in the paper? I guess it was that's all I found. Was it from, was from the car that you were also in or a different yeah, car? No, just in the car that we were in. Where was this car? Which one? Yours? Oh, the car that you broke into. Yeah, where was my car? Where was my car? Where was my car? That's the fucking first truth he sold tonight. See, we're, we're now we're working back towards a better place. So you get in the car in front of the pizzeria, right? No, that was me. Because I was in the pizzeria by that time that happened. Okay. So like, I didn't know that. So he stole the car. Who's that? Um, that kid. Which one? The, the little one. And who else? And that kid. He picked it up. Yeah, but I didn't know because I was walking to order of some some food for my mom, and then I started to be that one back for back and forward to get the food, mm-hmm. and you got to see the other one that works there. So you know, I didn't have nothing to do. Okay, so you get the food for your mom. Yeah. You go home. Yeah. You know you don't have the car. No, that time I didn't. You did. Now my brother. All guns in here. And my brother and his friend mm-hmm. and him, they were all coming from like downtown up from sh- shelter. Okay. And I saw them, so I was like, they didn't say nothing like that, so I just bought to be straight back. And I thought what I got, and I went to house on the chicken block. Okay. And then I went to my house. Okay. But it took like, like 30 minutes for it to be done. Okay. And then after that, I went home, and then that's when they started to say, Oh, he stole the car, stole the car. But I didn't so they came back to the house where you were, mm-hmm. and he went and took the car. No, but by that time, when I already got to the house mm-hmm. to, you know, get my mom food, the car was already gone, that's when he started saying, oh, they stole my car, and she looked like, damn. So were you in the store when the car was parked out front? No, I was in, in the pizzeria. Yeah, right. But yeah. I didn't see the car backing off or whatever, driving over the did you see the big white guy chasing it down the road? No. I was inside the pizza. Yeah. That's when the, you came in and they saw my car. And I was the, I know it's all white guys look alike, but it wasn't me. Was it you? No. Oh, where's I know. Caucasians don't look alike. It's all right. And then um, when they said that they saw the car, he was that, and then that's when she was like, oh, well, call your brother to see if he's in the car. I was like, oh, no, he's not. Just, he's in the house. Okay. And then he said, go check, go check, go call. And then that's how I went to the house. Who said that? She thought the one that 
I couldn't follow everything that they were saying because the, the audio again, hopefully we can clear that up for the listeners. But, um, you know, it seemed to me at a certain point, perhaps, uh, you know, the person being interviewed, the minor being interviewed, realized that Big Doe wanted him to adopt some type of narrative. And he yeah. kept trying different ones until he landed on one that made Big Doe less angry and then went with that one. And then when he didn't come up with a story that, uh, you know, uh, suited Big Doe, uh, he exploded at him again. Right. Right. That's, the, that's what this, you know, interrogation approach does is 
instead of just taking the facts, you you actually concoct facts uh, uh, very often because you are distorting uh, the judgment of somebody uh, and leading them to give you what they think you want to hear. Um, and, and, uh, and, and then maybe it leads to a, 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 you know, a contradiction that creates bigger problems when this could all have been solved by maybe, first of all, one, letting the local police authorities who's in whose cell you're in actually take the, uh, the, the statement, right. You go home and cool down. Um, uh, you know, and, and three, uh, in the meantime, you let the boys get some sleep because it's what five or six in the morning. So um, the, the whole thing it just doesn't make sense. And what the local police are, the non-Springfield police are doing at the time is sort of a mystery to me. Right. The whole thing is just so freaking weird. And like you said, it's this is not about truth. This is about Big Does narrative, and it's a dartboard that. You know, he hangs up on the wall. It's a mental dartboard. He gives these guys hints as to what he wants to hear. And they trip all over themselves as they're being screamed at and threatened with bodily harm to figure out what the fuck this guy wants them uh, to say. And, you know, it's just it's really sad. And then when you couple it with the fact that these are 15 year old kids and this is five in the morning and they've already gotten the shit beaten out of them, it is criminal. Mm-hmm. unless of course you take it to court and then all of a sudden all is forgiven. This is no big deal. So um, we alluded to an art. You guys, uh, you have time to review the article. Or you want to do that next time. Well, I just wanted to make one point real quick. Uh, sure. You know, the thing that Ilias raised earlier, uh, you know, focusing on the coins is a good point because the Springfield police department is known to have previously, uh, taken money and bills in particular that came from criminal cases. Um, Kevin Burnham was accused of doing that. I think it, there was an audit. I'm not sure if the audit went into quarters, but certainly when people are arrested, they don't just have bills on their person. They have loose change. And if they're taking that, it goes somewhere. And so the other thing is, you know, he's got to realize that these interviews are not going to be usable in a criminal case because he's on tape, uh, you know, clearly violating their rights. So anything they say is going to be suppressed. And then why else is he asking about these coins, uh, right? So as long as, I'm hypothesizing that as long as someone says that, uh, you know, it wasn't in the car when we found it, uh, then he's got plausible deniability as to where they came from. Right. Right. So what what Ilya said, I'm just highlighting the fact that they're never going to use anything, be able to use anything from these interviews or interrogations because they're clearly unconstitutional. So what other motive do they have in doing this? Right. And I think, you know, well, uh, I don't know if you want to keep going or do the article um, next episode, but I uh, um, but I will point out that we didn't really hit the threat of planting drugs. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anyone here whose uh, hair on the back of their neck um, uh, stood up, um, but that is, uh, I mean, there's a, a, clearly evidence around the country that officers have planted drugs, right? I'm not saying something mm-hmm. no. uh, crazy. That, that has happened. Uh, it is documented. 
And here you have a narcotics uh, uh, officer in one of the largest cities in the state, and therefore one of the largest narcotics departments in the state, threatening to plant drugs uh, that would put somebody away under sentencing guidelines for a long time. Uh, and, yeah. and and I think that the fact that there was no uh, apparent, uh, well, maybe there was a disciplinary action taken, but uh, to me, the, the threat of planting drugs uh, should be so unacceptable that that should be sort of game over for whoever does it. In the casual way he is making these threats and saying that he's going to plant drugs on them and make it stick. He said he said he was going to do multiple things and make it stick. And it didn't matter what the truth was like this guy just like basically if if we lived in a just society, this guy would have fucked every single case he ever worked on because he told this guy he doesn't care about the truth. He just said it flat out. He mm-hmm. he he just compromised his integrity completely. I mean, beyond the fact of threatening bodily harm to teenagers, he he compromised his integrity and threatened to like so casually threatened to put uh, cocaine on him. It was like just you know saying I'm gonna go grab a Pepsi from the vending machine. It's like I'm gonna plant cocaine on you, a kilo of coke on you, and and send you away for 15 years. You dumb fuck. I can do whatever I want. Like well, that. Is terrifying. If I yeah, had I, any hair on the top of my head, it would have stood up. <laughs> but seriously, it it that is terrifying. But I, I just wanted to add, I'm sure that's what the federal prosecutors were worried about. That if this guy gets convicted, it's gonna be just another Dukin and Farrick thing all over again. Because you're right, in a just world, all of his cases would go out the window. Uh, and legally speaking, they would apply the the Scott framework, and you'd have to show that. Uh, there was egregious governmental misconduct that predated the plea or the trial. And in this case, with this guy, I think you would try and show that it's been, he, he's been doing, he's got a history of doing this repeatedly. Um, so, I, you know, it could uh, spiral to enormous numbers of cases being vacated or convictions being vacated and cases dismissed. Right. And couple this with what the federal prosecutors found for them, like forging paperwork. And and here he he was found to make um, false statements in his paperwork. That's what he was charged. That was one of the things he was charged with. It's like, what do they have to do? Like, what what do these guys have to do? It's and and honestly, the problem is most people would agree with Bigda. That's that's what I think is the real problem here is we have an undercurrent of society that's just like, you can't do the crime, uh, you can't do the time, don't do the crime. That's all they just default to. They don't want to hear anything else about criminal justice. You can't do the crime, the time, don't do the crime. And it doesn't matter if it's not a crime. If the police say it's a crime, you know, you're fucked. Sorry, like, don't do the, don't do the crime. And it's like, yeah, well, say it's not a crime or say it's, you know, not what the police say or say the police are the ones that are doing crimes. Like none of that matters. They just stick to the you can't do the time, don't do the crime. And um that and, and like I want to protect the working man. That's what B- Big Dick kept saying. Where did you steal that money from? I want to protect these working men. Blah 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 blah. I want to protect the working man from stealing uh from you stealing from them because you guys are, you know, pieces of shit who don't have jobs even though he doesn't know that. And, you know, you know, it just, it, it's that mentality that drives this and will keep driving this. 
is ignorance. Yeah, you just said something like, you know, where does it end or, or what do they have to do in order for prosecutors to act? And I, I immediately was thinking to myself, well, choking someone to death on camera is a line that we've drawn recently with George Floyd. But then I remembered that happened in a New York case and that officer got off. So not even, you know, that's not even where the line is in America right. today. And if it wasn't on camera, they wouldn't have, nothing would have happened. You know, that's true. Like if it's not on camera and filmed, they do nothing. They sweep it under the rug for anyone, you know, like it, in, in, it just happens to be, it happens to happen to black people and Hispanic people and minority groups more often because that's who the, the police tend to pick on. But if I'm driving down the street and a cop wants to kill me and shoots me, like, and, and, and no one sees it, they're going to get away with it. No question. Like there, there won't be a report. He'll just say, I, I tried to attack him or whatever. Like it, it doesn't matter. All of our lives are, could be compromised and that should scare the bejesus out of everyone. Um, do you guys want to get into the article or you want to leave it till next time? Well, um, I, we can, you, you want to just, uh, I mean, I think we want to spend a while with it. So why don't we uh, tease it and uh, say, we'll do that next time. Okay, so the article came from, it was written by Stephanie Barry, who uh, I've contacted and hopefully we might have on as a guest. Um, it was published on September 28th of 2018 and updated September 27th of 2019. And it says, newly released transcripts shed light on where civil criminal investigations into Springfield police may stand. And... Basically, uh, it, it's just chock full of madness, um, <laughs> big, big related madness, including um, sexual and verbal harassment of a fellow police officer, female police officer who two of the officers, um, Vengalt and Bigda, uh, dated at, at various points. And this female police officer opened restraining orders against both of them. Um, the, there's just like, you know, the kickings, the beatings, obviously right. we know about that stuff. And um, maybe, maybe we'll find out how a, a cruiser was uh, left idling in front of a pizza place long enough that some kids can get in and drive off. Uh, Cause that's the one that I'm curious about too. Right. And, um, Bigda pleaded the fifth in his trial to everything, but the spelling of his name. Well, the, the article that you showed us, it was mentioning other uh, events during the course of the case. I don't know if that was quoted in the actual trial, but I mean, if I think there's quotes from depositions and whatnot, but still, you're right. He takes the fifth uh, the entire time, and I'm not really sure what happened in the, uh, in the actual trial. I haven't seen the transcripts from there yet. Let, let me just read some of the questions that Big to refused to answer. While you were working on uh, February 26, 2016, had you consumed alcohol in the narcotics unit? <laughs> um, while working for the Springfield Police Department, did you take drug raid money and instruct someone to purchase alcohol at the local, at the local package store on the same day? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my God. Read, in, read. in 2016, having had access to the passcodes of other narcotics officers, did you falsify numerous search warrants affidavits while working for the Springfield Police Department? What the literal fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. It, it's, I mean, this stuff is just like... It, so like, this, why doesn't that immediately prompt a review by the Massachusetts Attorney General and the U.S. Attorney to go back through forensically the computer system, see every time he logged in, every time he edited a search warrant, or I guess... Well, I guess they're saying he had other people's passcodes, but I, there surely there needs to have been some investigation as to when that happened. For instance, the use of a passcode when someone was off duty and Bigda was on duty. You know, like there are ways in which you could try and forensically reconstruct that, even if he he took pleaded the fifth. But uh, I don't think they've they tried to undertake that. No. And, you know, I know one of our loyal listeners may be a newly appointed federal, you know, prosecutor. Um, I know she is. Um, and, uh, you know, Miss Rollins, uh, please do something about this. <laughs> like, honestly, what the hell? What more do these people need to do? Like, th there needs to be something. I know she's the one; she has the guts to actually stand up to this. I know her life has been threatened. I know she has, you know, dealt with some horrors herself. But this is a horror to society in general. Here, here's the last one: on or about April third of 2016, is it fair to say that you were intoxicated and left messages on Springfield officer Gail? Uh, Gavin's voicemail referring to her as a whore. Uh, Gavin stated both Bigda and Vingalt over the years and applied for and obtained restraining orders against both men. On that night in April, police reports say Bigda carrying a handgun stormed her East Longmeadow home while she was there with Vingalt. In interviews, Vingalt has said criminal charges against Bigda were dropped when Gather when Gevins agreed to testify if not to testify if Bigda sought treatment. Yeah, it just makes me wonder if the federal prosecutors rushed the trial um, so that Rollins wouldn't get a bite at it because I think the trial took place uh, Bigda in December and she uh, was sworn in in January. Um, I wonder if, if that, you know, played any role in picking that trial to I'm sure it did. I mean, I don't know, but the, the way these guys operate, of course, of course. So now that he's been found not guilty, the feds can't go after him again unless he, there's some other entirely different uh, thing that they could charge him with. So then it would be potentially up to the state if there's anything additional they could charge him with as, as well. But what if she found that that office acted improperly during that trial? I don't know that uh, I, I don't uh, I'm really not sure I don't know it seems you like might, an, avenue, you, an think, avenue to explore or at least I mean if they're doing that she should air all their dirty laundry Jeez. yeah I think the remedy wouldn't be something with big case in specific but 
he would be going after the prosecutors themselves who handled the case, I think. Like something like that happened uh, out in California, I seem to recall, a while ago. Right. And I mean, you can just go after the as Springfield PD. I mean, there's there's enough evidence there. You don't have to go after. I'm sure there's more big does out there. But I mean, the fact that this guy like went into another cop's apartment and try, with a hand with a loaded handgun and they're protecting this asshole. He is still there. He, they I mean, it, it's it is unfathomable. I can't believe that this is actually taking place, but it is. This is what we do. And um, yeah, this was a great episode, guys. So um, next episode, we'll we'll dig a little deeper here um, and we'll go into that article and hopefully talk to the author of that article um, about it. If not, we'll just go into the article. All right, guys. Great job. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Right. Take care, everyone. Good night. Thank you for listening to The Rig Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so that you can get the latest episodes right when they come out. 